Welcome to the weekly podcast from Spring of Life Church, located in the heart of downtown Portland. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. For more information, visit us at springoflifepdx.com. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open them to the book of James chapter 1 as we continue our series called Defining Christianity right in the book of James. I think it's pretty clear from the video and clear from most of our experience in this city in the Northwest in general that uh, people have no clue what real Christianity is. Non-Christians have no real idea what Christianity is. And so often people who claim to be Christian don't either. So there's a real opportunity to study the Word of God to see what is this idea? What are these truths? What are these principles? I meet people all the time that say, I'm not a Christian. And I say, explain to me what a Christian is. And when they explain it, I say, yeah, I'm not that thing either. If that's what Christianity was, I would want no part of it. I wonder what it looks like if we don't just understand the teachings of Christianity. What if we actually begin to live them out? And so that's what we're going to be focusing on continuing over the next few weeks. And I'm so excited. If you're excited, let me hear you say, yeah. And get ready to take notes, because cool people take notes. So you're going to hear some good stuff today. Maybe, 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 because it's from the Word. Um, Have you ever noticed, as we've been talking a little bit today, life is filled with ups and downs. Life is filled with ups and downs. Uh, Just this Saturday, I was watching a movie with my daughter, Valentine, three-year-old, force of nature. Uh, She's not here today because of puking, so that's been great. Um, She uh, and I were watching this movie called Inside Out, which maybe some of you have seen it. Worst movie ever. So many emotions to deal with in that movie. I'm just trying to have a nice Pixar afternoon, right? Like, I want to see Ratatouille. I want to see a rat make food. I don't want to, like, think about the depths of a child leaving her hometown and all of the complex emotions she's suffering through. So Valentine and I are watching that, and she's, it's just, like, hitting her that, you know, we moved 3,000 miles from Georgia, and, like, her grandma's not going to be at her birthday. And I'm like, look, let's not deal with that right now. Let's just, let's try to have a few laughs. Let's see um, if there's some more nonsensical things that we can watch. But we're just having this like bonding moment, like my daughter and I, and discussing life, and I'm drinking coffee, and I have the day off. It was just a really, really great weekend day. And my daughter looks over at me, and she's like, Dad, I just love to spend time with you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> um, and uh, I'm like, what do you want? We're out of candy. And um, she goes, Dad, if I had a treasure box, I would take this moment and I would put it in that treasure box. <laughs> and I was like, you are so going to get a pony. Um, <laughs> and not even an hour later, the movie was over. I'm like working with John Charles, our three-month-old sack of concrete human baby. And he's so heavy and so immobile. And um, I just had laid him on the bed and Valentine loves him. She just loves to like attack his face with love. and. He endures. And um, so she was kind of like crowding him on the bed. And so I just moved him over six inches. And I don't know what that did in her, but like the inside out anger man blew up. And she was so furious at me. She's like, dad, why did you do that? And I'm like, but remember, remember the treasure box. Don't forget the treasure box. And she's like, dad, I'm leaving because I can't even stand to be around you right now. And I was like, you can forget that pony. You're not getting it now. But life is filled with ups and downs. And we've all experienced that. We've all experienced moments when things seem to be going great. But the problem is when things go great, be careful. 
because without knowing it, you might be putting your hope in the circumstance. And when it changes, it can be devastating. It can be devastating. When that person finally notices you, it feels great until they don't anymore. It can feel great when you get that new job and things are going wonderfully until it's not anymore. When you move to a new place and it's super exciting until it's not anymore. Life is filled with ups and downs. Is God only good to those who are good? That's a question facing Christianity and facing our culture. I've met a lot of people who will say to me, hey, pastor, uh, things are going great, but not anymore. And I just want to know, what have I done wrong? And there's a a wisdom principle called um, the law of the harvest. It says you will reap what you sow. And I think that that's a really good general principle that says, like, if you reap hard work, you are likely to reap a harvest. But we also live in a broken world where sometimes broken things just happen to broken people. And broken people do broken things. And sometimes things are just a mess. What about that? What do we do in those moments? In lives filled with unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. Thinking you know how something's going to go and it doesn't go that way. Wow. It's why marriages fail. It's why friendships fail. It's why faith fails. And the message we're going to study today is quite glorious. What happens when everything is going wrong? Where do we see God? Where does he show up? Let me give you a little passage background, and then we're going to read the word. This book was written by an individual named James. He was a rock star in the ancient world. He's one of the most respected and renowned pastors of his day. And shortly after writing this letter to people that he dearly loved, he was murdered for his faith. He believed in it so deeply, and he was willing to go to the edge, not because he wanted to die, but because he found something better than his life. And James had a special relationship with Jesus. He was his brother. Have any of your uh, siblings ever changed the world? There's a little pressure there. And James, I feel, dealt with all of the complicated emotions of knowing someone like that. But after the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, James couldn't deny what he knew any longer. And in verse 1, he introduces himself, not as the royal brother of Jesus Christ, the author of life. He says, I'm James a servant of Jesus, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And last week we began our series just focusing on that one verse because James is filled with amazing promises. This book, we're going to study 12 incredible lessons that if you internalize them, will change your life and can change the world. But James says all of these teachings, they are all based Not on an idea, but on a defining relationship. Christianity is not a religion, a set of ideas that you behave in accordance to. It's a defining relationship with God himself. And so if you hear anything good today, it's not one of those things you can just store away and work on yourself. You're going to need God's help. You're going to need him in your life. You're going to need his power working through you. So let's study the promises of God as we read the scriptures together. The Bible says this, continuing in verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. And we know James, 
in this time was under ferocious persecution. Several years ago, I had the privilege of attending a church service in India, and it was in a very Islamic area, and it was under constant persecution. And I remember the brothers and sisters in Christ were worshiping with such joy and passion. And I was like, why is everybody here so happy to be at church? I'm from America, where it's like split crowd, you know, on any given week. Why is everyone so happy? And, they, and, and one person pulled me aside, and they said, because they know that at any moment they could be attacked and killed for their faith, and they're just having so much joy to praise God together. It's like, whoa. That's what we see here. That was the climate that this passage was written. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Why? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Whoa, those are some big promises. Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In the Greek, there's this gorgeous idea of wholeness, being whole in God, lacking nothing. That's a perfect way to put it. In our lives, we are so aware of what we lack. We go to school where people tell us all the time where we're falling short. We go to jobs where all the time we're worried about where we're falling short. We're in relationships where all the time we're worried about where we're falling short. And God says there is a pathway to wholeness, to being complete. Count it joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Let's go back to verse 5. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Let's pray and ask for God's help to understand this. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your word. Change us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have you noticed that Christianity is defined by so many things? If you meet a non-believer, I mean... There are so many ideas of where they're drawing their idea of Christianity. Some of them, it's the scandals in the Catholic Church. And by no one's fault here in this room that I'm aware of, so often, just by calling ourselves Christians, we're associating with a very, very source of trauma and negativity for so many people. For a lot of people, their Christianity is defined by a good example, like a neighbor or a friend that brought them a casserole when they were sick or prayed for them. Praise God. Praise God for those examples. For some people, their Christianity or their idea of Christianity is influenced by what they see on TV. Uh-oh, heaven help us. A couple of years ago, um, I was working at a call center, so I wasn't the telemarketer. I was taking the calls. Hello, thank you for calling. And um, we took the phone calls for 100 national ministries. So um, you kids don't know this, but there used to be this thing called TV. It's like before Netflix, before Hulu, all that stuff. And like on TV, um, they, they would have sometimes like religious programming that would come on. Still happens, believe it or not. And um, some of these preachers do a great job. They really are doing their best to to teach and preach the word of God. And so often at the end of their message, there comes up a 1-800 number where you can call, you can call for prayer, you can call to order tapes, you can call for all sorts of things. And would you realize that most of those phone calls direct through a call center in Virginia, which is where I was living at the time. So I thought, man, this is going to be the best job in the world. Like I'm going to get paid to like, you know, minister to people. And it was so interesting to find really quickly that most people who worked there were not Christian at all. And when people called in for prayer, they were just reading off prayer scripts, hoping to get off soon for their next break. So I was like, okay, that's kind of breaking my idea. And then I would start to see while some ministries were like super, super, super there for people. Like they really cared. Even if I didn't agree with everything they were teaching, I could tell they really cared. But 
I could tell there were a lot of ministries that cared a lot about money. And um, I, I had worked at a secular call center for a clothing company, and the sales tactics I had to use in the ministry were so often so much more aggressive. And I ended up leaving because of it. I couldn't take it. But I, I remember one phone call in particular that really helped me understand why we have these problems, why Christianity is so poorly defined. A lady called in from a telethon that was going on, and, and I was watching the man preach. And, and he's, he's written some decent books on wisdom and general things like that. But in this moment, he's preaching, not the gospel. He's preaching about hardships. He said, so many of you are dealing with things. He began to name things. And it's like starting to resonate with me, like, yeah. And he's like, you know what you need to do? You need to sow a faith seed into this ministry. You need to call in now with your credit card, and you need to make some payments. And if you do that, then God is going to bless you. And that broken relationship and that broken heart, God is going to fix that if you call 1-800 right now. And man, the phone rang, and um, I remember there was this older woman on the other end of the phone. I'll never forget this moment. And... Um, before she could even start talking, she just had to like choke back some tears. And I'm like, hello, thank you for calling so-and-so ministries. This is Aaron. How can I help you? And she just took a sigh. Aaron, I just want to know what I'm doing wrong. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, first thing, you called this number. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she essentially said the same thing. Aaron, I called a year ago for the first time because my son is so broken. He has been addicted to drugs for so long. He is running from God for so long. And I would do anything, I would do anything to see him come back to God. And I believe this ministry, and I believe in God. And I, I have missed months because I'm on a fixed income. There have been months I have not paid my light bill. I've sat in the dark so that I could sow my faith seed into this ministry. And my son is still running from God. Where did I fail God? Why isn't Christianity working for me? God help us. So often, that's why people turn away from this idea of Christianity, because it's been so skewed and so manipulated by people who are profiting off of it. You would say to me, what do you think about those TV preachers? C.S. Lewis has a great quote. He says, if conversion to Christianity makes no improvement in a man's outward actions, if he continues to be just as snobbish or spiteful or envious as he was before, then I think we must suspect that his conversion was largely imaginary. And while so many of us would say, Aaron, you know, I would never call in a 1-800 number with a credit card for God to fix my problems, you might say that, but so many of us, so many people I've talked to who are strong, believing Christians, who are really chasing after God, little pieces of that idea seeps into our heart. Hey, God, something's wrong. What did I do? God, something's wrong. How can I do better? The reality the Bible teaches is there, there's some wisdom paths that we can walk by, for sure. I'm not saying that. But the reality is that this is a broken kingdom where broken people exploit their freedom to do broken things. But this passage teaches us that the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't give us an easy pattern to slap on a quick fix to our life. But the gospel gives us a new framework and freedom by which we can see the world. We'll spend just our few remaining moments trying to walk through that together. Let's look back at the scripture, verse 2. 
Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I want to teach you the hard truths in this text today and allow them just to work out in your heart. The first thing that we see according to this passage. If God is real, here's a promise. That pain is the path to wholeness. Pain is the path to wholeness. And I say that with all gentleness because I realize there's people in here today in great pain. There's nothing easy about it. And while I may not fully know what you're going through, my heart goes out to you. And that's why we exist as a church, to walk with you. But the Bible says there's great hope if you could just but see what Jesus has done. It's not to slap on a label. It's not to make you walk through a quick fix plan but a new framework to see the world. In fact, in the scripture we just saw, there's a sequence. It says, first there's pain, which tests us. The, test is, the testing can give fast to steadfastness, but the steadfastness gives way to wholeness. The word in the scripture, rejoice. In the Greek, it literally means lead yourself to joy. Lead yourself to joy. There's this great idea that when you're a Christian, you're never supposed to have anything wrong in your life. Is that true? No. People are messy, and good people are good and messy. There's going to be times you have trials in your life. Does that mean when we get together, we slap on smiles and shake hands? No. We never fake it. But this scripture says we dig for it. If Christ is real, we never fake our joy. But because of him, we can always dig for joy. And that's what the word says. It says, lead yourself to joy. But it doesn't just say to do that on your own. It says to do that because. Do that because. This is a proactive way to look at the world. And Jesus was the first to see the world this way. We see in Hebrews 12 too, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Rejoice because. I got some questions right there. Maybe you do too. What is that promise based on and how does it work? Well, the rest of the passage begins to unpack that. The second thing that we learn is this, that pain peels back our temporary hopes. Pain peels back our temporary hopes. There's a lot of things in lives that we hold on to. A lot of good things. A lot of great things. But if those things are rooted in this world, the best they will ever be is temporary. Those relationships, they're great. But on this side of eternity, they're temporary. That, that good situation or good job or, or good thing that's happening, it's good. It can be great, but it's temporary. Because this is a broken kingdom. It's a broken world and everything here has an expiration date. But pain, those trials that come into our life, they remind us how to peel back those temporary hopes. I'll just get real with you. Sometimes church planting, um, it's super easy. I'm just kidding. Sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it's really painful. Andrea and I, we read all of these books before we moved out to Portland about like the trials you can face as a church planter. And uh, I remember thinking, no, that, that won't happen to me. And then uh, one of the places in the book, it says, you're probably thinking right now, this won't happen to you, but it will. And I was like, no, it won't. And then it did. <laughs> it did. Sometimes it's scary to talk about our weaknesses. Sometimes we think feeling pain is failure. It's not. 
If God wasn't real, it would be. We'd have to be strong without him. But if God is real, if God is generous, if God is good, if God is powerful, then discussing our pain, discussing our weakness is the path to power. Let me show you that in scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And this scripture is teaching us that in this world, answers are easy. But intimacy with God, that is miraculous. Anybody, anybody can give you answers. They may not work. They may not go far. They may not do anything for long. Anybody can give you answers, but only Jesus can give you intimacy with the living God. And pain peels back those temporary hopes that our life was resting on. And it makes us ask the question, what do we want? Easy? What do we want? Goodness? Or do we want God? Because if God is the prize... Everything that draws us closer to him is something to rejoice in. I'm going to say that one more time because I need to hear it again. If he is the prize, then everything that draws us closer to him is something to rejoice in. And that gives us the ability to praise him through the pain. I think back on my life about deaths of loved ones and in those moments, clinging to Jesus, saying, I'm so weak in this moment. I can't figure this out on my own. Nothing that used to distract me is on my mind right now. All I can focus on is how badly I need you. And when I called on him, I found him because he's not an idea. He's a person and he showed up. And I'll never forget those moments. I can think back to those times when I would just be like burdened for a family member. I was telling some friends this week of some friends and family in my life that were just like having a hard time and I just wanted so badly to tell them something, but the more I tried to tell them, did they listen? No, your family's never going to listen to you. Just like forget about it right now. And um, I just remember like one day in particular, I was just like, crying. And I don't cry all that often. I was just crying. And I was laying out on the floor, just begging God to intervene in the life of one of my family members. And when I got up, there was an actual puddle on the ground. And and I just remember like how faithful God was in that moment. And how four years later, God answered that prayer miraculously. Because he's so good. He's so faithful. I remember there was a time in my life where I just got tired of all this Christianity. And it wasn't because I stopped believing in God. It's just I wanted to do my own thing. I was ticked off in a season of pain that things weren't going my way. And I was like, I don't want to try it his way anymore. I want to do it my way. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm going to walk away from the faith. I remember sitting at a red light. And it was blinking in front of me. It was late at night. I was driving home from a friend's house. And I was telling God, which is so stupid, I don't believe in you anymore. (laughs) And I just remember the Spirit kind of speaking to my heart, recalling those moments when he had showed up. Not the idea of God, but the presence of God, the person of God. And it was as if those memories and those moments in his very spirit were saying, you can run, but you know what's true. And you can run, but you can't hide. Or you can surrender right now and experience joy. Answers are easy, but intimacy with God, it's miraculous. 
Bring your weakness to him. Stop trying to be smart enough. Admit that you're not. Because his power is made perfect in your weakness. Stop trying to be godly enough on your own. Admit your weakness. Allow him in and see what he can do because his power is made perfect in your weakness. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop trying to be cool enough. Stop trying to be healthy enough on your own. Because in a culture of shame, weakness is danger. In a culture of grace, admitting your weakness is power. There's a third thing that we see. Pain points us to a greater glory. Pain points us to a greater glory. I'm not one of those preachers who's like, enjoy your pain, bring it on, deal with it. Man, if I could take it away, I would. I'm an enabler parent. Like, uh, anything that my kids want, I'm like, let's just give them to them. Thank God for my wife, who's wise. <laughs> She's going to raise them right. I'm messing them up all the time. going to rot all their teeth with candy. Going to give them iPhones. <laughs> Terrible. I-, I feel the same way for you. In no way, in no way am I standing over you with folded arms like, oh, that's good for you. Just enjoy, enjoy it. Enjoy the pain. If I could take it, I would. But I also know this. The scripture says that pain points us to a greater glory. And when I'm really defining Christianity like God does, do I believe that or not? As Jonathan Edwards taught, glory is not merely another one of God's attributes or characteristics like holiness, love, power, and so forth. Rather, glory is the dazzling, jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring showcase of God's character to a world darkened by sin. It is the explosive radiance produced by his holiness, his love, his mercy, his justice, his wisdom, and his power, all of which come together in the most fitting way in the death of Christ and the resurrection from the grave. God has given us an image of what this looks like in Scripture about the peeling away of an old kingdom and the birth of a new in our lives. I think about the caterpillar. A couple of months ago, we went to the Children's Museum where they had this like exhibit of a caterpillar coming out of its cocoon. And I'm like, who made the caterpillar? God. And if we look sometimes to his creation, we learn these gorgeous eternal messages. So many of us want to stay in our cocoon, our comfort zone of safety. We don't want the world to change. But if that is never peeled away, we will never mount up on wings and soar as God has designed for his children to do. And the cracking away of the old shell, it's not easy. And it's painful. And it hurts. And it's a process. And it's best if you don't have to be the only caterpillar going through it. (laughs) But finally, finally, when God has his way, you fly. Pain cracks the shell. When the shell is broken, the temporary kingdom is torn away. But so many of us, man, we're holding on to those fragments. What does it look like to let go? 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. Now, that is really bad news if you have a really great life in this world. That all you do is focus on having a big, nice house and lots and lots of money in the bank account. Although none of those are bad in and of themselves, but if that's all you got... The fact that those things that are temporary, that's really bad news. But man, if you've got pain in your life, you've got some hurt and some baggage, you've got some things you've been through, you've got some things in your past you'd like to forget, then this is the best news you ever heard. 
Because the things in this life are temporary, but the things that are unseen, those things breaking through, that kingdom of God that will never fade, that way of life that Jesus has orchestrated and designed, where everybody will share one day, those who believe, that those things that are unseen are eternal. And that brings us to the fourth point. Because of the gospel, pain is only temporary. Can I get an amen? Because of the gospel, pain is only temporary. And that is defining Christianity. This is a broken kingdom. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because it's a broken place and broken people exploit their freedom to do broken things. And so many of us have to pay the price and so many of us have to pay the price for our own choices and mistakes. But Jesus in the garden the night before he gave his life for your sins, the night before he laid down himself so that you could find atonement under his blood, the night before he bore the wrath of God for your sake, he knelt in the garden. He said, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. I love this. Therefore, be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And for, for our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 13, 14 says this. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Here's a gorgeous thing about depth in Christianity. It's not about the acquisition of more complicated information. It's the deepening practice of the simple truths of life. That's defining Christianity. Where are you with God today? I'm going to ask for our musicians to come forward for a moment of reflection and worship. The Word of God is speaking truth today. I'll read through James once more. Hear these words. Allow the Spirit to stir them in your heart. Count it all joy, my people. When you face trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith develops steadfastness or perseverance. And let this steadfastness or perseverance have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if you lack wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. Let me pray for us. With your head bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's anybody in this room that maybe what you have is not real Christianity. Maybe you've been working so hard to impress God and you're worn out. Maybe you barely made it to church today because you feel like God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Hear the gospel today. It says, while you were still a sinner, even at your worst, Christ pursued you and wanted you. Even in the midst of your brokenness, even in the midst of your rebellion, Christ died for you. And when he died, so died every reason that you should stay back from him. And when he rose again, he gave a hope for all who believe. Have you given all to him? Have you repented? Have you believed in the resurrection? What are you waiting for? Give your life to Jesus today. Give your heart to Jesus today. Become a disciple and let's walk together in this faith. Speak to somebody. Tell us. Let us walk with you. Help us. Let us help you understand. And maybe you need to be baptized to identify in this, this new life. Let's do it. Maybe you're a believer and, and those things have happened. But maybe today you are burdened. You're burdened. And maybe just right now in this moment, you need to express that weakness to God. Invite him to come crashing in. Let your kingdom come. 
God, I can't walk anymore. That's okay. I'll carry you. God, I don't want to be touched. That's okay. I'm still here. God, I'm hurting. I know I'm hurting too. God, I'm confused. Then ask for wisdom and I'll give it. I'm here. I'm here. Answers are easy. Intimacy is miraculous. You will walk, but you will never walk alone. Receive the goodness of God. Receive the goodness of God. Jesus, thank you for those that are here today. Thank you for how you're stirring and working. Jesus, we need you. We need something real. We need something real. Meet us here. Every heart, every soul. Change us. Make us into disciples. Cast a light into a dark city. Let people find hope in Jesus' name. Let's continue praying. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast of Spring of Life Church, where our mission is to invite thirsty people to become disciples of Jesus. For more information or to plan a visit to our church in Portland, visit us at springoflifepdx.com.